You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Whatever temperatures this winter brings, your friendly and knowledgeable Bryant dealer is ready to help. We have the right training and support and are backed by outstanding products from one of the industry's most trusted names, Bryant. Whether you need a quick fix or an entirely new heating system, we will do whatever it takes for your family's comfort. Find your local dealer at Bryant.com. Bryant, whatever it takes. Hey everyone, assalamu alaikum and welcome to this Muslim Girl podcast. It has been a minute and by a minute, I mean almost two years, I think. Um, I really wasn't um, planning to be gone for this long, but you know, things happen and I think I was mentally prepared for maybe a couple of months off. Um from recording the podcast and at the around the time that I was hoping I'd come back of course a new idea came to mind and I started um a new venture um which is Nur's Nook which is a online small Etsy shop uh soon transitioning out of Etsy but it's a essentially what I did is I started producing a lot more art and for those of you that know me, you know that I studied art in college and I've always been very um, creative and liked trying and dabbling in different things. And so I got an iPad Pro and I got an iPad Pencil thanks to my brother who inspired me to get one. And I started creating a lot of digital il illustrations. And then I started creating stickers and greeting cards with these illustrations and designing them. And I, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing for the past year. I mean, obviously, I still have um, my normal job, um, but that's pretty much taken up most of my time. And yeah, I just, I've not had much time for the podcast. And to be honest, I've missed it a lot. And I've probably thought about it like a gazillion times, um, but it's just never felt like the right moment just because so much has been going on. And then of course, 2020. I mean, where do I, where do I start with 2020? Um, yeah, it just, you'd think being at home um, and working from home, I would have had more time, but no, quite the opposite. It was, it's just been a very interesting time and a very mentally draining time for me. And I'm sure a lot of people, I'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, I think recently I've just felt like it's it's a good time again. And uh, funny story, I actually recorded five episodes um, with some really great friends of mine and girls that I met. And of course, the audio went missing. And well, like I was having issues with my laptop and then I went to retrieve um, the audio and it was no longer there. So I was trying to figure out how to, you know, recapture it and all that stuff. And 
anyways, it didn't work out. So I'm in the process right now of rescheduling a lot of those um, recordings to possibly re-upload. And I'm, I'm honestly a little upset just because I feel like the first conversation is just so genuine and like raw and like to the point. And I feel like having those conversations again isn't just going to be as natural, but we'll see how that goes. Right. Um, so yeah, I plan on doing those. I'm not approaching this with any particular timeline or idea of, you know, how often I want to upload. I just want to record and put out whenever I can. Um, and just see how it goes as I am juggling uh, Nurznuk, the podcast, and yeah, work. Um, but yeah, 2020. So um, obviously the entire world knows what, what's been happening this past year. Um, but I just wanted to do like a check-in before I released any new episodes just because I feel like so much has happened in that time. And I do feel like that there's there was and is so much to discuss and so much I had to say. And maybe I have said some of those things, but I obviously not on this platform and not for everyone to hear. But it's been an interesting year. Like, I don't know if I'll ever forget this year. It's been like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's probably the year that I'll remember as being the fastest year like I just I don't know how we're in December it's Christmas Eve today I don't know how we got to this point I feel like March was just like a few weeks ago and we've managed to make it in I don't know eight months into the pandemic and so I wanted to talk a little bit about and reflect about 2020 so a lot of devastating things have happened in 2020 and I I've had to learn about, or not learn, but I've had to sit back and think about how do I want to reflect about this year? Because I think it's really easy to just say this year sucked and I want to wipe it away from existence in my memory. But I think I think that there are people that have probably experienced a lot more loss and have have had their lives change so much, so much more than myself. Um, so I think I've had to shift my perspective from being very, from being very upset and confused and just all those negative feelings to trying to find the silver lining. And believe me, it's not been easy. Um, I think for the most part, I, I think realizing how lucky and blessed I am to be in the situation that I'm in today during a pandemic where lots of people are are suffering job loss and su- uh, suffering with financial struggles and not being able to see their families and the list goes on and not to say that I've not struggled throughout this time from a mental health perspective um but I yeah I definitely think that like alhamdulillah I've I've been put in a rather good position in comparison to I think a lot of people um but yeah, I think if if I could summarize the the two, not the two, but like the main things that I feel like were just so impactful this year and that probably contributed to my anxiety the most, it was obviously the pandemic. Um, and not just the pandemic, not 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 just that like this virus exists that 
you know, and the fact that we're seeing something that is so contagious and unpredictable and nothing that we've experienced in our lifetime, not just on a local level, but on a global level, like it affected everyone. But I think it was the fact that I've, I like got to see how careless people were. I think that was probably the most hurtful because you're only like you could you could only do so much on your end to try to protect yourself and the people that you love and your community but it almost like doesn't matter in some ways except for the principle if other people aren't doing it and it just it doesn't work if everyone's not doing the right thing and i think that was like very frustrating and it was becoming very politicized here in the US i'm sure it was in other parts of the world but I think having the pandemic happen the year of an election, probably the most controversial election we've ever had, was insane. When I say it was mentally draining, I'm not joking. I was having trouble sleeping. I was having anxiety. I was having um, trouble putting my phone down, which I had to essentially delete apps from my phone and take breaks just because it was becoming too overwhelming and people were telling me like, you need to step away. Um, and then obviously the election happened and that I was like tuned in. So here's the thing. One thing about me, if you didn't know, or you do know, another thing I studied in college aside from art was political science. Like I've been a political junkie since I was probably in eighth grade. Um, I fell in love with um, American government when I had to teach my mom about oh I had to uh, help my mom study for her citizenship test and I don't know why I just like really loved learning about the structure of our government and how it works and it just kind of like kept growing and my dad was someone who always had like Al Jazeera on and CNN and MSNBC so like I'd always like just chill next to him and watch things and ask him a million questions and now that I look back at it I'm pretty sure that was really annoying when you're trying to like focus on what's going on anyways um yeah. And like elections, especially have always had like a soft spot, you know, for me, like, I don't know if soft spot is the right word, but like, it's just always been super interesting to me. And so I remember, you know, growing up, I'd watch elections and like kids my age, like didn't give a shit. Like no one knew really what was going on and how things worked. And like, this was truly probably the election that I saw everyone was like invested and like becoming more educated about the way that the system is, which honestly is like a plus because our system totally is broken. And um, I think that we can definitely uh, say that with the way that this election went on, not just the previous, not just this one, but the previous one as well. Um, yeah. So like, I love elections and I watch election night with my dad every election year and you know you have wolf blitzer and oh what's that guy's name john something honestly i don't know but you know the guy who's like king of the map he's the one who's like going through and like doing all the you know if if this person gets this and and this and if they get this percentage then they got you know they got the 270 whatever anyways yeah so back to my point um the election was like super high anxiety um because of all the things that were on on the table, um, all the things that we were, how do I say this? I don't feel like historically we've ever had an election in which there was so much that we wanted to change and so much in our lifetime, so much that was like at risk if 
the election went one way or the other. And I think it's the pandemic and the handling of it. I think it was, uh, you know, the effect it had on people and their finan- the financial struggles that people had to go through. Um, the fact that like the freaking mask was politicized and people, you know, uh, completely disregarding uh, their neighbor and their community and the wellness, the well-being of other people and being completely selfish because no one wanted to put a, ma- a, a mandated mask, uh, I mean, a mask mandate out. The fact that our president was saying it was a hoax and again, feeding into the, you know, small echo chambers, which be- can't be started growing rapidly about all the conspiracies about COVID Um and of course, now about the vaccine. But anyways, um, it doesn't matter because he lost. Um, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> alhamdulillah. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I was like, I was definitely one of those settle for Biden people. Like, I'm a Bernie supporter. Um, I actually got to see Bernie Sanders this year. That's another thing. I went to one of his rallies and I actually got um, asked to go on stage with him. And it was like super fun. And yeah, we love Amo Bernie. Anyways, um, I, I think that when we looked at this election, it really was looking at the incumbent administration, what it stood for, and I think what it enabled in terms of like, hatred, and intolerance, and the fact that like, I was just seeing it so like as clear as day. It's just heartbreaking. It was literally one of the hardest things to go through this year. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement came strong um back again um obviously with the death of george floyd and then obviously like continuous and i mean like honestly like there was many of those uh there was a lot of police brutality and police killings that were happening in between you know the 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 beginning of the um black lives matter movement years ago till today um but i think people are just they were just tired of of seeing the injustices, of seeing the way that our communities and our society was crumbling. Um, yeah, and just seeing that this, like, re- I know, like, Trump lost, but, like, the fact that he had that many people still vote for him is, like, very scary and disheartening. Okay, I finished recording the episode, and then I was listening back to it, and I was like, okay, girl, you got to go back and, like, say something a little bit more about one specific topic because I felt like I just kind of lightly talked about it. And I, I think this is the problem with it in general. And, and the topic is the Black Lives Matter movement is that it is such a huge, very, very, very important, like something that should not be taken lightly. Um, And I just felt like I didn't do it justice. And, and I, do, I don't want, even though I'm summarizing kind of like the year, I didn't want to just like brush over that. Um, because for me, I think I think that 2020 made me realize as well because of like the resurgence of the resurgence of the the movement helped me and forced me to educate myself more about my own um, dispositions, my own my own biases, my own flaws, and because I think that like it's so easy to say you know, I, okay, essentially what I'm trying to say, like, it's not enough to just say like, yeah, I recognize that like the black community and um, the black indigenous people of color are equal to everyone else. Like it's just not enough. That's what this year's made me. It's not enough to just say it or to believe it because the, the current circumstance that 
Black people of color are facing is that they need more than for you to just understand. You know, they need you to advocate for them. They need you to do a lot of education for yourself to pass that on to the next generations. We need to cut off that like very um, toxic and um, heinous, like horrible um, mentality that generations before and even generations now have towards uh, people of color or I'm sorry, black people. And part of that too is like um, recognizing that even as a woman of color, so like obviously as I'm, I, I, I fall into different buckets of, of being a minority from being Muslim to Yemeni to uh, being a woman. But even within that, being a woman of color who is brown, I have much more privilege than a woman of color who is black. And that's one of the things I had to recognize is that I have my own grievances, I have my own struggles, but it's never to the level of what black women face. And I don't think that there is a race on this earth or a group of people that have faced the injustices and the type of discrimination and racism that the black community has ever faced. Um, because even within my own Muslim or Arab community, we don't talk enough about the anti-blackness and the colorism that exists within our own culture. And I think that we just never really tied the two together or thought that like they were linked somehow, but it's, it, it's made complete sense to me now, the way that we kind of dehumanize anyone with a little bit more melanin um, on their skin and how we don't identify that as being beautiful. And you know what's sad? When did it start becoming seen as beautiful to be tanned is when Western white women, white people started to tan themselves because they wanted more color. And then suddenly it was acceptable to have more melanin. Whereas like before it was like, no, 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 no. Like I grew up always being told, like, don't spend so much time outdoors. Like if you look at pictures of myself when I was like a teenager, I was really dark. I was very tan. My skin tans easily. Like I'm an olive skin girl. Like I can tan easily. And so, but like my mom and like woman would always tell me like, you're getting too dark. And so I always associated that with like, that I'm not beautiful. Um, that dark meant that you were unattractive and like the lighter you became, you were becoming more attractive. Um, but I think understanding the history behind the experience of a of, of the black community in the U.S. I'll speak specifically to the U.S. because I obviously there's experiences all around the world and it varies, but I think across the board, a board it's pretty um, similar, but like with the history of this country that I am from. So, okay. So one of the things that I did is I watched the movie, the 13th, I think it's about the 13th amendment. And it really opened my eyes because, and it made me livid when I tell you, I was so upset. I was in tears. I was like, how did I not learn this in school? Like why, why is something so important that could be so impactful to the way that we are conditioned to grow up, to view uh, just, not just people who are different from us, but like specifically the experience of the black community. Why were we not taught that? Is it because, and I think it's obviously it's because they're trying to shelter or not stain the, <laughs> the history, our history, which we, I grew up thinking was so grand and amazing and you know america hashtag america like we're number one um not knowing that like we have a really dark history and yeah like we knew about slavery but it was always kind of presented in a way it was like yeah we had slavery and slavery was bad and 
But then we gave them freedom. And even after freedom, it was still kind of bad. But then we had the civil rights movement. And it's like, even in those times, those ideas weren't accepted. And we pretend like they were, but like, even today, they're not really accepted. It's just like, there's, there's so many people out there who post content online and they're so comfortable doing it with such disgusting um, messages that are very racist, that are very, um, they're horrible. And they really have a platform to do that. And that's sad. Like there's a lot, there's enough. One person is, is a lot, is too many to, to be racist or to have that type of um, feeling of superiority over another race just because of the color of their skin. And again, you think that like a concept like Black Lives Matter would be really simple for people to understand, but then you had the All Lives Matter issue come up. And it's just like, uh, when I think about the people who argue against uh, Black Lives Matter, it's like, I don't know, for me, it's like talking to a wall. I don't know if there's really a point, but it's like, do you, do you like, are you comfortable displaying your stupidity publicly like that or because I, I'm just I'm confused at like the cognitive dissonance the lack of being able to connect or read the room to understand what's happening in the world anyways um but yeah and I get it like people want to say that the riots and all the the madness that's happening but to be honest um you know obviously I'm not advocating or I'm not for any type of violence um at all um but I think I think people choose to focus on little things and not big things like like if a woman was getting beaten by her husband and she decided to like do something in return to hurt him or what she could because maybe she couldn't hurt him um then are you really just going to focus on like what she did and not like what drove her to that, the trauma that she was carrying, the type of person that she probably was in that state of mind to do those type of things? And this isn't even even a good example for that because we don't even know who these people were that were doing the riots and that were uh, damaging property. We don't necessarily know because it's just anyone could go out to these protests. But it's not the people who are for the Black Lives Matter. It's just people who are advocating for Black Lives Matter sometimes honestly why would they care about if other things are getting damaged they might not be the ones doing it but like that their their job is not to sit there and try to um release themselves or like condemn what's happening like they have a movement that they're going towards but it just it mind boggles me that like after that people are still like upset about what's happening in the streets as someone whose father owns a small business i would be devastated i get it like if someone hindered our business um and I would be upset at the people that did it I would 100% be upset at the people that did it it would not change my perspective on the movement or or the cause I would not suddenly think that like oh I don't like Black Lives Matter because of what a small percentage of people did no I'd be mad at the people that did it and I think I don't know that's the difference and that's my opinion um but the I don't know what what alternatives the people who don't su- su- uh, support Black Lives Matter. I don't understand the the alternative that they would like towards what they do because it seems like anything that they do is just not up to par with what they want. Like 
whether they protest in silent, they're whiners, if they if something crazy happens or they're in the streets and they're they're thugs and they're looting and they're doing horrible things, like what do you want? Like, do they not know that historically anything that happened with massive change didn't occur with complete peace? The civil rights movement, people were being hurt, and it was all often the people that were protesting. Um, same thing with women's rights, like so much goes into these movements in order to advocate for human rights. It's not it's it's not like this thing where they think that they could just like sit in a room and have a conversation. Well, the problem is, is like they, they don't have a seat at that table in the room. And if they did, no one is sitting at the table to listen. Anyways, that was my rant. I just wanted to include it because I feel like a very important um, piece to what happened this year. And I think it's it's not going anywhere. Um, and again, we need to hold uh, politicians accountable to what they were saying during the time of, of that happening. This was the first year since Black Lives Matter started in which people recognized that there was racial injustice towards uh, Black people of color, um, in which politicians like like Mitt Romney saying Black Lives Matter and joining protests and politicians actually um, taking part in it. It's like... I think it, it, this year it just it was elevated to another level. Um, so again, holding those people accountable towards what they said that they would try to do in order to alleviate um, the problems that people in that, in that community face and like actually listening to them. And yeah, anyways, that was just like an extra piece that I wanted to have because I felt like, wow, I just like brushed over something that was so important and like part of a lot of the conversations I had this year. So I didn't want to just feel like, it was, I didn't want to minimize it. So anyways, back to the rest of the recording. So that was the election, um, which I honestly like went through lots of therapy in preparation for just in case he did win, because I was one of those people that really did not expect him to win in 2016. And so I was like, you know what, you just, you just don't know, like 2020, you just don't know what's going to happen. And um, yeah, I honestly don't know how I would be feeling right now if he would have won I think it would have just made things a lot worse I feel like just him leaving office or being voted out was just like I don't know like I feel like we've been drowning under so much negativity and injustices and fearing for our safety and obviously like our health that it was almost like we were able to like gasp for air a little bit. Um, and I feel like it made me a little bit more hopeful towards the future. And I, I hope people don't lose the the energy that they had for this election moving forward towards our um, midterm elections, towards local government uh, elections. And just overall, I think holding the, the new administration accountable for everything that it's saying, because I do think that they said a lot of stuff and a lot of it was to um, get the middle and the far left on board to get rid of Trump. And they need to be held accountable for everything that they said that they would do. So let's hope that that lasts. But first, we need to, you know, get out of this pandemic and I don't know, go back to normalcy if that will even ever exist. Like, I have so many conversations with people about the vaccine. And of course, like, are you going to take it? Or are you not going to take it? I myself currently i'm not against taking the vaccine i just person on a personal level i've been taking vaccines since i was a kid whether it was in yemen or here when i went to school it's like i don't think we've ever questioned what was in a vaccine so i'm not suddenly going to question as if i'm going to know because i'm not a scientist and i have to 
I have to trust the judgment of the medical professionals and people who are smarter than me on that. Um, but of course, like, you know, I wasn't going to be like first in line to do it. Um, I just, because I want to see how people, how people's bodies are going to react to it. Um, and I've been trying to like educate myself a little bit on just like how the vaccine works and, um, what, you know, what's the, like, what does it do essentially? Because you know that it, it helps create antibodies, but it doesn't necessarily prevent you from, um, spreading it if you do get it right it just helps protect you from the virus like getting sick and so just trying to learn about it learn about like what are the side effects and all that stuff um just to be prepared but to be honest like I think the biggest thing for me with the pandemic is even though it's it's super unpredictable and you don't know even as a, as healthy as you can be you don't know how your body's going to react to it I was more so fearful of my parents because my parents are both over the age of 60 my mom is a diabetic and they are high risk. And so I just didn't want them to get sick. So I really, everything I did in limitation was obviously more so for them, as well as myself and doing the right thing. But I do think that like, I'm probably more extreme than a lot of people that I know. Um, just because, yeah, I don't want to risk it for my parents. Um, but yeah, so with the vaccine coming, I hear that, you know, we'd still have to you know, wear masks just to not spread it. And like, it's going to take time to reach herd immunity and all this other stuff. Right. But a light at the tunnel at the end of the tunnel is a light at the end of the tunnel, because for a long time, I don't think there was one. And so I feel like a little bit better about it. Um, except for the fact that where I live, you know, there's no more capacity in our hospitals and people where I live don't really care, sadly. And so it's gotten like really bad here. So it just, it, it does, you know, spike my anxiety knowing that like I live in a bubble where it's just spreading like crazy and people don't care. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be really going outside much. Um, but one thing I have been doing that's been very helpful is like going outdoors, like places where I know I can really, really keep distance because your girl is going to go crazy if she's sitting at home the entire time. Like, wait, can I just mention, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys are working from home. Um, but working from home when you live with your parents is like, bro, it's, it's hard. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's hard. You have to like, my mom doesn't understand the concept of like working still just because I'm at home and just because I'm wearing pajama bottoms, like doesn't mean I'm working less. It just means I'm comfortable. And this woman will come and knocking, you know, on my door, she'll open the door and she'll just like barge in and I could be in a Zoom meeting and she's like pointing at her phone at her WhatsApp and it's like, how do I get my status updated? It's not showing up. People aren't looking at it. And it's like, mama, like I'm I'm in a meeting. I can't help you with your WhatsApp right now. And you think that over, over eight months it would get better, but no, not really. Um, my dad still climbs up the stairs and like yells my name looking for me. And then like he'll remember and he'll be like, oops, I'm so sorry. Um <laughs> it's funny kind of um and the other thing too is just like struggling with like moving your body because if I'm sitting at my desk and then like after work you know you're kind of mentally drained you know zoom fatigue is real and then I'm like I'll go maybe downstairs once or twice and then you're just like chilling in bed I like I literally got a tv in my room which I don't know call it self-care but also I'm like always in my room I mean okay <laughs> To be fair, I was always in my room, TV or not. I think it was just more so so that I wasn't staring at my computer screen all the time or my phone to watch things. Um, 
but yeah, like I have to find time to like move my body. And one of my favorite things has been to do yoga, a lot of stretching, like lighting candles, playing some nice mellow music and just like letting my body, you know, melt to the ground. It's, it's been, that's been really great and working out. I like to jump rope. I like to go hiking um, and just do like a lot of YouTube workouts. Alhamdulillah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I wish I could conversate with people. Um, there's like no comment section, obviously on podcasts, but like if you follow me on Instagram at thismuslimgirl.com, actually no, at thismuslimgirl, <laughs> Uh, send me a DM. I'd love to know how you've been managing or dealing with, you know, the pandemic and, you know, with everything. I'm sure there's so many people who had weddings and stuff. My best friend got married, you guys. My best friend, Khulud, who's been on the podcast, got married in her backyard with just her family and me and another friend, Besma. It was just like two of us. And, you know, I feel for people that had like amazing things that they planned, people who've had babies their first baby um and they couldn't have the you know the parties and the the celebrations that they you know wanted um but you know it's it's one of those things where you have to look at it like you're not the only one it's like everyone is going through this um and again things can always get worse but yeah like how how has everyone been dealing with um the pandemic and the lack of traveling and the lack of all that stuff and if you dm me saying that actually you've been traveling and you've been celebrating and stuff like I'll probably block you to be honest so don't send me a DM like that um anyways uh for me I think what I've probably done that's helped the most and it's been up and down is taking breaks off of social media really um spending time with myself alone I know that sounds weird but like okay so here's the thing I just took a, you know, the Myers-Briggs, Myers-Briggs, whatever, the personality test on that tells you if you're like ENFJ or whatever. I don't even know if that's one of those things, but something like that. Anyways, I've always been an extrovert. I think to my core, like inside, I'm still an extrovert. But as I get older, I, I feel like I'm becoming more of an introvert. And I think what really kind of triggered it was this pandemic because – I do like a lot of Zoom dates. Not actually, I don't do a lot of Zoom dates. I do uh, Zoom dates with my friends sometimes. And I just, I guess, kind of mentally exhausted just from that type of social interaction. So I've just really been enjoying spending time alone. And I've been trying to bring my spirituality to another level because you just don't have all this time sometimes to, you know, like, like, I don't really have an excuse to, like, not pray, you know, when the event goes off. Like, usually, you know, you're out and about and it's like you have to, like, find time to to make your prayer, like, when you get home. But, like, I don't really have that excuse now. So, I think it's, like, being more disciplined um, in that. And Ramadan, honestly, like, I, there's so much that went on this year. But Ramadan was, like, the best Ramadan I've had ever. Um, granted, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. So, it was kind of, like, I was just, like, happy that I was going to be at home. But like we used to pray. Oh, and, and because of the pandemic, my dad would be at home. So we would have tarawih at home and my dad would always tell us stories and my nieces and nephews would come over. We'd all pray as a family. Um, we're all like neighbors with each other. Right. Um, hashtag Yemeni. Um, if you're Yemeni, you know. Um, and my dad would tell us stories like Qasas al-Anbiya, uh, pro- uh, stories about the prophets 
and sometimes we would just say jokes and we would pray tarawih and it was just so nice to have all that time with my dad because usually like he's at the masjid and like I don't go because it, it just ends up being so late and I have work the next day so it was just such a nice experience to have again and it's kind of hopeful like I'm kind of hopeful to have that experience again this coming year um but anyway so I think um yeah just like educating myself more on Dean um cooking more oh I did something that I'm very very proud of I <laughs> I remodeled our kitchen well not like physically like not with my own hands actually kind of like I I like got down and dirty with a lot of the stuff but obviously like I went and like you know, looked around and all that stuff. And like, we got people to come and we purchased um, a new kitchen and that's been really great. And I was able to gift my mom, which honestly she didn't really want, but like, maybe it was more so for me, but like new appliances, like everything. So not only like kitchen appliances, but like all of the bakeware, cookware, whatever you want to call it, like everything was brand new. Like I took everything out of that kitchen because it was just like, I just wanted a new kitchen and like, we kind of, we made it bigger. So that's been a plus because I feel like I spend more time in the kitchen now and I, I do love to cook which is not does not mean I'm good at cooking it just means I like to cook um but yeah that was actually really exciting and what else um I guess the last thing I can talk about just because I don't want to ramble on too much is I had my 30th birthday this year and alhamdulillah the day was very I think it was still very special regardless of not being able to see people. I had lots of surprises that day from people um, close to me. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. But oh my God, I can't believe I'm like out of my 20s because I still feel like I'm, I'm, I'm still, I still feel like I'm stuck at like 26 for some reason, not mentally because I've always been a little bit more, I think like more mature for my age, but more so, I don't know. I just feel like I, I stopped growing at 26. I don't know. I've always heard that like your 30s are amazing and to be honest as I was like exiting my 20s it was I did already feel like like a much more comfortable person just like I don't know how to explain it but it, you just feel a lot more comfortable in your own skin and you really are capable of doing a lot more when you have that kind of stability in your life or that type of um, security in yourself because I think growing up in your early 20s and having that insecurity and like second guessing yourself with a lot of things is like very stressful and draining. And as you get older, like, believe me, it still exists. But I just think it's like a little bit different. You care a little bit less about other people's opinions. You're a little bit more ambitious and ballsy with your moves, I think, like you're willing to take more risks. Because at this point, it's just like, it's either now or never, you know? Anyways, I think I'm going to close this episode off. Um, there's probably more I could talk about in terms of 2020. But that would take more than what this episode already is. But I hope that I can have some new episodes up within the new year. And I hope that, you know, we all should... Uh, I don't know, read Ayatul Kursi, you know, 10 seconds before the ball drops or something. You know, just like spray a little mamukra or mazamzam, I don't know. We just need to like really like protect 2021, you know, because that's going to be the year of healing. Like, don't think that you're going to go back to normal in 2021. No, no, no. You, you have to heal. We have to heal through 2020. And that's going to take a year. 
So we need to take 2021 and heal through it. And then inshallah, 2022 is going to be the year that like we thrive again. Um, Not that you wouldn't thrive in 2021 or even now, but like I'm talking about with no boundaries, you know? Anyways, my ramble is done. Um, I hope everyone is well and, you know, healthy. Um, And please stay safe. Please be considerate of other people. Um, My DMs are always open. I don't think I've been active on that Instagram particularly. I'm always active on my personal or Nur's Nook, which is Nur's underscore Nook. Um, But yeah, my DM is open. If anyone wants to send a message or talk about anything, I'm there. Um, But yeah, I can't believe this is the new the newest episode after almost two years but better now than never right all right i think that's it yeah i'm done thank you so much for tuning into this episode uh be sure to follow this muslim girl podcast on instagram and twitter for latest updates on new um, episodes that will be dropping and if you enjoy this episode and this podcast in general um i'd appreciate it and would love if you guys would leave a review or drop a rating on itunes um and if you like art you can also check out my page notice nook that's n-o-o-r-s underscore nook n-o-o-k um i do a lot of illustrations and stuff so you can check that out and yeah i'll see you guys on the next episode when the weather outside is frightful the hyundai santa fe is hmm, what's the word delightful because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.